Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I am Donnie Cage. Aha, the birthday boy. Happy birthday, sir. Our belated birthday. How are we doing today? Oh, doing great. Don't, I, I, you know, I, age is nothing but a number. I, I, I don't feel a day. I'm 37. I don't feel a day over uh, 36. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got a couple years on you, and we're not going to discuss that. All right, so, <laughs> all right, folks, so if this is your first time listening, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button, no matter which platform you're listening to us from. Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast is on 73 different audio platforms as of right now. We are on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and the list goes on. We do drop two episodes here a week. Every Monday and Friday, we talk about pro wrestling, past, present, and future. All right. And also, uh, Mr. Cage has another podcast that he co-hosts on. Sir, you want to tell him about Uncaged Voice? Yes. If you would like to check out our official YouTube channel, that is where we premiere all of our new episodes. It is the Uncaged Voice podcast. Myself. Jigsaw, Jester, and Top Tier Rated are, are your co-hosts. And we talk about gaming, we talk about wrestling, we talk about movies, all sorts of entertainment-related topics. So definitely check it out on YouTube. Absolutely, absolutely. Check it out, guys. It's a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun on there. You can learn a lot of interesting stuff as well. Uh, if you like current news, world news, politics, things of that sort of nature, uh, you can ch- always check out my other show, the Red Pill Current News Podcast. We drop two episodes a week there every Wednesday and Saturday. We do. We are on the same platforms as Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. So if you get a chance, check it out. That little uh, show right there is growing by leaps and bounds. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show, however, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Also, if you have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can do the same email, ol. Kentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. Also in the description below, you'll see our merch shop along with all the social media pages having to do with Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. Okay, so as of all normally, normal, normal segments, normal episodes, the first segment is always my fantasy booking. And basically what this is is where Donnie picks a wrestler, I pick a wrestler, could be somebody currently retired, or even may even already left this world. 
and we discuss how if we were in charge of booking, we could have booked them differently or put them over more than in the current or the last promotion that they were in before they actually went on to have success. Or they might have had success in a promotion before going to this one. So it can work either way. Uh, I really love this segment, as always. Mr. Cage, you want to start us off? Thank you, Kentucky guy. Well, I have a really good pick for this week. He is someone who came into prominence in WCW in the late 90s, early 2000s, before the company folded. But he had actually been in the wrestling business for many, many years prior to debuting in WCW. I'm talking about none other than Ian Richard Hodgkinson. Who is he? Well, he is better known by his ring name, Vampiro. He is the current director of talent for Lucha Libre AAA Worldwide, former commentator for Lucha Underground, and he's also the current Jugalo Championship Wrestling heavyweight champion in his third reign. But let's talk a little bit about Vampiro and his history in the United States. Well, he debuted with WCW initially in 1998, but he didn't start working for them full-time until about a year later. And he was paired up with a lot of different people. He, he had an alliance at one point with the Insane Clown Posse and Raven in a short-lived stable called the Deadpool. He was also aligned at one point with the demon Dale Torborg and the Great Muda It's part of the Dark Carnival. He also aligned himself with the, with the famous punk band, the Misfits. Had a famous feud with the likes of uh, wrestlers such as Berlin, Mike Awesome, Sting most famously, who he competed, in, uh, competed against in a Human Torch match in WCW. And, you know, this guy was always kind of featured prominently in the mid-card and occasionally would work in the main event. But you always felt like he was hitting a ceiling whenever... Whenever he would start to see some progress. And it was always confusing to me because I thought he had a unique look. Thought he was pretty good in the ring. And his mic skills were decent. They got better over time. They were a little rough in the beginning. But he certainly had a unique look that wasn't like too many of the wrestlers that were um, you know, competing at the time. But of course WCW didn't really utilize him to his full potential. And... Many people ask, why was he never hired by the WWF? Well, ultimately, when WCW was purchased by Vince McMahon, he was informed that the creative team didn't have any plans for him, and they would not pick up his contract following the purchase. And this was seriously a big mistake, because he could have been utilized in so many different capacities. He could have been part of the hardcore division, the, the growing cruiserweight division. He could have competed for the intercontinental title. I mean... Not saying this guy needed to set the world on fire and become a world champion and main event pay-per-views, but he was a good talent. Fortunately for Vampiro, he did go on to success, again, with different Lucha Libre promotions such as CMLL, Lucha Underground. He was also part of the short-lived Wrestling Society X on MTV. And, yeah, I mean, this is just a guy who, in my opinion, never was utilized to his full potential, and it's really disappointing. So, um, really all I have to say about him, Kentucky guy, uh, turn it over to you and give us your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, did you say that he's still wrestling? Like he's Believe still it or not, wrestling? yes. He works for the Insane Clown Posse's promotion, the Jugalo Championship Wrestling. That is, uh, man, he's got to be getting up there. I remember he became a commentator for 
Lucha Underground Wrestling back when uh, I used to watch back when they were in business. I used to watch them. And he actually, I know you know who Penta Dark is. Uh, he's on AEW now, uh, Ray Phoenix's actual brother. Penta Dark was on Lucha Libre Wrestling, Lucha Underground, and he turned he turned heel, like amazingly. So Penta, Penta, Penta Dark, and Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix was face. Penta Dark was a heel. They never mentioned those two being brothers, and they fought and they had some incredible. Incredible matches. Well, come to find out, nobody could figure out why Penta turned dark and why he was breaking all these arms. He kept saying he was doing what the master wanted. It ended up that who the commentator, <laughs> uh, it, it was Vampiro. He ended up being the actual master of him, and I thought that was a great storyline. Anyways, as far as WWE, yeah, um, I can see both sides. I can definitely see where I don't think he would ever get over being anything more than a mid-card wrestler. However, there was uh, definitely a potential there. Here's the thing, though. So many athletes, so many wrestlers came to WWE during that time. It was so easy to get lost in a shuffle. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise for him not to go there. You know, you have your people like uh, I did a... One of my one of the episodes here, Kid Cash was one of the wrestlers I picked, and that happened to him. He came, and then they acquired WCW, and he got lost in the shuffle. So maybe, just maybe, because uh, things turned out really well for him. I had no idea he was still wrestling, but things turned out pretty well for him. So maybe, maybe everything worked out okay on that. Uh, of course, who knows? I don't. I don't know the reason why WWE didn't sign him. Didn't make any. Of course, they didn't sign a lot of them back then. And then they brought him in sporadically, and who knows? He might have went somewhere. Look at Booger T, Diamond Dallas Page. They were late late brought into the company. They weren't brought in right away. So maybe they reached out to him, and he was already with another promotion, and he was happy where he was. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the story. But, yeah, that's a decent pick. Absolutely. A lot of, uh, a lot of history there. A lot of history with Vampiro. Okay, so my fantasy booking. This episode is none other than Stephen James Anderson. All right, so let's, oh, wait, what? You don't know who that is? What? Come on. Oh, heck yeah. He's known by his ring name as Stone Cold Steve Austin. And basically, I want to talk about the nightmare, the worst thing, the on their way out the door, WCW's biggest mistake. Uh-huh. All right, so Austin began his professional wrestling career in 89 after playing college football at the University of North Texas. He signed with WCW in 91 and adopted the persona of stunning Steve Austin, a villainous in-ring technician. He actually won the World Television Championship, the U.S., the United States Heavyweight Championship twice, and the WCW World Tag Team Champions uh, ship and the NWA World Tag Team with Brian Pillman. At that time, they called themselves the Hollywood Blonde. So, <laughs> in the WWF, after after being fired from the WCW, uh, he was repackaged as a short-tempered, brash, anti-establishment 
anti-hero named Stone Cold Steve Austin, becoming the most popular wrestler of the Attitude Era off the back of his feud with the company chairman, Vince McMahon. He won the WWF Championship, Heavyweight Championship, six times. The Intercontinental Championship twice. The Million Dollar Championship from Ted DiBiase once. He was a tag team champion four times. And he was the fifth Triple Crown champion. He also, and this is this is something big, a lot of people don't even win one. He's also a three-time Royal Rumble winner. And he won the 1996 King of the Ring, where that famous, famous quote come from. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your butt. Here is the whole purpose of the story. In 1995, Eric, <laughs> Eric Bischoff fired Austin, citing that he didn't see him as a marketable, marketable star and that he was difficult to work with. Austin failed to move past the mid-card in WCW. Apparently, Hulk Hogan refused to wrestle him once in WCW because he wasn't a big enough star. Stone Cold was later signed by the WWE, where he became incredibly successful and now considered one of, if not the, greatest superstars of all time. WCW and Eric Bischoff made a <laughs> a horrible, a glaring error uh, that contributed to their own downfall. Amongst all of this, however, letting Stone Cold move to the WWE is something that I am positive still haunts and gives Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff nightmares. That was one of the stupid, I mean, this guy, and you know, Stone Cold, the Stone Cold character, yeah, it, it definitely put him over. But he had this attitude, if you go back and watch him as part of the Hollywood Blondes and stunning Steve Austin, even when he was in ACW or ECW, he still had this same attitude. It was just packaging him the right way is all he needed. And once they done that, it was off to the races, man. So huge, huge mistake. Once again, another reason, one of the main reasons I think WCW did not make it as an organization. Your thoughts, sir? Well, we can definitely look back in retrospect now, Kentucky guy, and say Eric Bischoff and WCW made one of the biggest mistakes they could have possibly made. And ultimately, it's one of the things that led to their downfall. But I will say, back in 1995, even though I was very familiar with Steve Austin's work in WCW at that point and thought he was a good talent, I never pegged him as a main eventer at that time. And like you said, it's all about presentation. You know, people used to ask him backstage, what is it that makes Steve Austin so stunning? And he couldn't even answer the question at that time because in his mind, it's like, well... They haven't exactly been presenting me in a way that I that would be taken seriously as a main event level talent. And when he first got to WWF, it was the same thing. They they made him the ringmaster, gave him the million dollar belt, and it was a terrible gimmick. He had it was only when he spoke up and said point blank to Vince McMahon, Vince, I'm not the ringmaster, that they started conceiving new ideas that would allow him to be himself and really showcase that over-the-top personality that, that is now famous and, you know, and launched him into the stratosphere and made him a household name. But, the, but I mean, the truth is, back in 94 and 95, 
yeah, I've heard of Steve Austin. Yeah, he's a pretty good wrestler, but I don't, I don't see him as the face of a company. Obviously, look how wrong I, wa I was back then, <laughs> and look at what he's become now. I mean, Steve Austin's name is synonymous with pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I'm glad you said look how wrong you are, cause, uh, I didn't, so I don't have to say it. So <laughs> he, uh, I thought he was a good wrestler back then. I thought I watched some of his matches in ECW, and his style of wrestling has really never changed. It's always been that straightforward, fast mouth. When he first started out, if you'll watch some of his very first matches, he was actually kind of a high flyer, like a, it was, it's kind of weird and it didn't suit him. But as he worked into stunning Steve Austin and the Hollywood Blondes, his fighting stance and the way he wrestled his matches, are pretty much the same as he does now, or he did when he retired. So, yeah, uh, packaging's everything, and there were so many gimmicks. I mean, look at uh, Kevin Nash. He was Vinny Vegas and all this other stupid crap. I mean, once they got rid of these gimmicks, these wrestlers, Terry Taylor, we talked about him on the show before. Uh, he was a phenomenal wrestler, but, man, when they put that red rooster gimmick on him i lost all respect for him yeah he did it to the hill but it just it was stupid all right so let's get on to wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler first headline all right wwe wrestlemania 39 confirmation on who brock lesnar is actually facing. Confirmation has emerged on who Brock Lesnar is actually facing at WrestleMania 39. Brock Lesnar won his seventh WWE title in 2022, Elimination Chamber. Brock won his seventh WWE title at the 2020... What? <laughs> uh, Brock Lesnar's planned opponent for WrestleMania 39 has been leaked online. And I don't know why that doubled. For it has been leaked online. On Raw this week, Omos challenged the Beast to a match at WWE's biggest show ever of the year in April 2023. Many fans thought the challenge was a swerve for a bigger match, but it has now emerged that Omos is actually set to be Lesnar's opponent. Will Brock Lesnar versus Omos happen at WrestleMania 39? Coming out of the Royal Rumble, it seemed like WWE had plans for a third singles match between Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. However, Triple H surprisingly put the match on the card for Elimination Chamber last weekend, throwing into question that WWE's plans were for the pair at the big show in April. Coming out of Elimination Chamber, the door was definitely left open for Lesnar and Lashley's uh, fifth match. However, it seems like WWE has other plans for WrestleMania. On Raw this week, as mentioned, Omos and MVP challenged Lesnar to a singles match at WrestleMania. And according to Wrestling Observer, that's legitimately what's being planned right now. Obviously, WWE is going with Bray Wyatt against Bobby Lashley, and they're going with Brock Lesnar versus Omos. The match is likely to divide fans and some feeling as if Triple H should be doing something more inspiring with Brock for his first WrestleMania as the WWE's chief content officer. So, 
I'm not happy seeing Brock Lesnar will be wasted at WrestleMania with Omos. I mean, we've tried the Omos thing for a while now. Maybe, just maybe, if you got the Hurt Business back together with Bobby Lashley and Omos, like some t- somehow teaming up and on the same page, maybe you can finally start pushing that big doofus over. But having him one-on-one against Brock Lesnar, I, I think it's a waste. it's a waste of talent and it's a waste of space at WrestleMania. Now, Bobby Lashley for Bray Wyatt, can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what happens there. But Brock Lesnar versus Omos just doesn't feel like a WrestleMania-type match to me. Your thoughts, sir? There's a, at least a few different guys that I would have paired Brock Lesnar against before pairing him up against um, Omos. Um, you know, we could have done Brock Lesnar versus Gunther, Brock Lesnar versus Karrion Cross, Brock Lesnar versus Sheamus. I mean, I, I I can throw out a million different names you could pick. Brock Lesnar versus uh, Randy Orton, if they wanted to go back to that, if the rumors of Randy Orton coming back are true. Um, just so many other opportunities you could have had. And this just this really does feel like a waste for Brock Lesnar. This is going to be kind of a nothing match. I, I will say, though, I am intrigued by Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt. We know that those are going to be some interesting promos, at least leading up to WrestleMania. And the presentation is going to be unique. So that one... I am intrigued by Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Eh, hard pass for me. Yep. 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 I agree. Uh, let's see before we get to any more headlines. I think you've got the next two. Let me go over the dynamite. Let's go over the dynamite results real quick. So we had John Moxley who faced evil, evil Uno. Uh, the winner was John Moxley. John Moxley actually held on to the hold post-match on Evil Uno, causing Hangman Adam Page to come out. Once again, Hangman Adam Page kind of, sort of got the best of John Moxley. Here's the thing. I I really don't care about Hangman Adam Page versus John Moxley. But been there, done that. I mean, I don't know how long they're going to keep beating this dead horse. You're going to have to repackage or do something with Adam Page to get people to care about him again because He's lost all. He's lost it. He just has. He's just lost it. Yeah, you can have him win a hundred matches in a row. I don't care, and I'm sure I'm not the only fan that feels that way. We also had the Revolution Tag Team Battle Royal. The right people actually won one of Tony Khan's Battle Royals slash tournaments. Maybe, just maybe, we're gonna have a legitimate tag team have the belts again. So Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal were the winner of the battle rolls. They will face the guns for the world tag team, the AEW tag team title. And then the acclaim, the former champions, they fought Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. And of course, the acclaims, once again, were the winners. Big Bill, I, I just, I don't know, man. Uh, he, he should have stayed on impact. He was having a lot more success. And he was being booked a heck of a lot better. He does nothing but put people over on AEW. I don't know if this was the right career move for him or not. Anyway, sir, your 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 thoughts on those three matches? I mean, the John Moxley Adam Page match. At this point, I feel like they're they're be, they are beating that dead horse. It's like, how many more times can we see these two wrestle? 
before it starts to get boring. I mean, as far as Adam Page himself, you know, he's one of those wrestlers I could take him or leave him, but he's by no means at the top of my list of favorite AEW talents. Um, you know, John Moxley, I think, needs to move on to a new, a fresh new feud. Personally, um, you know, the tag team, the tag team tournament matches. Yeah, I mean, they definitely booked the right teams to win. You know, with Jeff Jarrett and uh, Jay Lethal going over, and uh, well, you know, should the should the acclaimed have won, or should uh, should the firm have won that match? I mean, there's an argument you could make that if. Uh, w. Morrissey and um, Lee Moriarty won that that could have, again, introduced a new tag team into the fold, which I think would have been good. But, you know, of course they go the safe route and they have the acclaimed win is what it is. Yeah, so here's my thing. What what happened to the, when you're a world champion and you lose your belt, what happened to the rematch clause that's normally in every previous champion's contract? Why is John Moxley even fooling with Adam Page? Why does he not have his sight sets on MJF? That's a feud that I could sink my teeth back into. I, I just it doesn't make any sense. We also had Orange Cassidy defended his title. This is the match, you folks, and I know that you've been waiting for me to say because I haven't said it in a couple weeks. This is the match where I put my foot through the television. Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta defending his Atlantic Championship. And Orange Cassidy retained the title against Willer Yuna. Who actually watching that match really believes Orange Cassidy won that match? Come on. He did. Uh, Willer Yuta had him beat five squares to Sunday. And I just, I don't understand why he's getting the, this kind of push. We had, uh, Pay, or Paige Sierra, whatever you call her, versus Sky Blue. She ended up winning that match. Of course, Tony Storm was at ringside. I like these two a lot as a as heels and partners. The only thing is, is Paige is the only person, or Sarah, or whatever her name is, is the only female that I know who hasn't faced Jade Hill or Jade, Jade Gill for her undefeated streak title. So, yeah, why why not make that happen? Only makes sense to me. Anyway, sir, your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, I'm really still still intrigued to see who's going to end Orange Cassidy's reign as All-Atlantic champion. If I had to wager a guess, when Pac eventually gets his visa issues resolved, he might be the one that finally wins the title off of Orange Cassidy. Because I, I do agree that Orange Cassidy's had the title for way too long at this point. And we want to restore a little bit more legitimacy to the All-Atlantic championship. Um, Soraya going over uh, Sky Blue makes makes a lot of sense. I, I do like that pairing to uh, Soraya and uh, Tony Storm. They, they weren't doing a real lot individually, but when they paired them up, it's almost like things started to click, and these two had really good chemistry. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see where they where they take it. And I mean, as far as the next challenger for, uh, for Jade Cargill, uh, I mean, I'd love to see Soraya go up against her, to be perfectly honest. Don't you... Uh... Before we move on, don't you think that uh, Willer Yuna would have made more sense winning that match, in all honesty? I mean, from a, the perspective of is he a better wrestler, yes, but I'm not convinced yet that he's over enough with the AEW fan base for them to give him that title run. Because, yeah, he was the ROH pure champion at one point. but Still is. Oh, still is. Sorry about that. 
But um, I don't know. I, I, I still feel like he's got to win over the fan base a little bit more before they're going to give him uh, an AEW championship. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I can feel that. I just, uh, oh, I think he had, I mean, he out-wrestled him, man, all, all over the mat in that match. And it's just uh, kind of disgusting how it ended, in my, in my opinion. Then we had Tony Schiavone. He introduced Christian Cage. As Cage came out, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, jumped Cage. Perry got two chairs and was going to hit Cage with a concerto. He hesitated. As it looked like he was going to follow through with it, Cage gave him a low blow. Then Cage repeatedly slammed Perry's head into the chair that was lying on the ground, which busted him open. So I wanted to read that because I have a couple questions about this. Uh, the first one is, where is Luchasaurus? Is he gone? Finally, we got Christian Cage's uh, sling off his arm, so his arm's fine. And third, how much longer are they going to drag out this feud with Christian Cage and Jack Perry? Tony Khan, give us some answers. While in the ring, Brian Danielson said MJF hates him, but yet he tried to injure William Regal. MJF came out. I thought this was a very, very good promo. And these guys, I, I thought this was great. Came out and said he's the guy who got stranded by anybody he ever opened up to. He found a girl. By the way, this is true. His fiance did break off their engagement. He found a girl who convinced him not everybody is like that. So he proposed to her. That girl left him because he was unlovable. <laughs> the only thing that he can trust and makes him feel like he has unconditional love, is the AEW championship. It's the only thing that stops him from taking a fistful of pills and calling it a day. I thought that was pretty heavy on his part. What I liked, though, this promo was good, but man, oh, man, they could not get pry these two apart, and I thought it was great. We don't see that enough, and these two are really, really done an excellent job of building up to that Iron Man match. One last thing, sir, and I'll let you comment. Uh, backstage, Tony Khan kept saying since last week he had a major announcement, but he actually turned it over to Adam Cole to make the announcement. Cole says starting in March, there's going to be a weekly one-hour television series immediately after Dynamite called, and by the way, I think you and I, you actually broke this uh, on our last episode before they ever announced it, called AEW All Access. It will be an unfiltered look at AEW like we've never seen it before. The same night of the debut, Cole is going to make his in-ring return. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Adam Cole uh, back in the ring. The all-access I could live without, to be honest with you. Like I said, take that hour of time and add it to Rampage and try to make it a halfway decent show. Anyway, sir, your thoughts on those three things that happened on AEW Dynamite? Yeah, I said last week when they first announced this that I don't think AEW needs another program on TV. They've got Dynamite, and they've got Rampage. They don't need a behind-the-scenes, all-access look. I, I mean, just my opinion. I am excited to see the in-ring return, though, of Adam Cole, baby. He's been gone for a while, and I'm, I'm sure he's anxious to get back into that ring. Um, the MJF, Brian Daniel seg Danielson segment, great stuff. You love to see it. Can't wait to see them collide in the 60-minute Iron Man match. Again, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, Kentucky guy, and you can disagree with me. I still think it's it's Brian Danielson's time. We're going to see the American Dragon as the AEW world champ, regardless of how long it lasts. Because MJF could 
find some sneaky way to regain the title down the road. But I think when it comes to a 60-minute Iron Man match, American Dragon's going to outlast MJF. Just my opinion. And then as far as the Christian Cage Jungle Boy feud, yep, it's it's time to wrap this up. Let's let's get them in the ring. Let's have a good old-fashioned no DQ match and call it a day so they both can move on to new feuds. <laughs> you think it's Brian Danielson's time? What do we think about that? Brian Danielson's time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I think about that, too. All right. So, sir, you have the next two headlines. And the next headline is... Where's our siren? Former WWE star says he will wrestle without a mask soon. Lince Dorado is looking to make a notable change to his appearance in wrestling. Dorado made a name for himself as a masked luchador, but in a recent tweet... The former WWE star stated that 2023 will be his last year wrestling with a mask. He wrote on Twitter, I've contemplated this for a while now, possibly five years. For almost two decades, I have been someone I'm not. I have decided this will be my last year masked. Question is, will I lose it or will I say forget it? This is the real me. In 2007, he started his career by working for a number of independent promotions. He worked the WWE Cruiserweight Classic in 2016, where he lost in the second round. WWE was impressed and signed him, where he was later paired with Kalisto and Grand Metalik to form a stable called Lucha House Party. In November 2021, Dorado asked for his WWE release, and on May 2nd, May 5th of 2022, he made his MLW debut. Last October, he defeated Shun Skywalker to become the MLW World Middleweight Champion. He joined NJPW earlier this year. So, I mean, this will definitely be an interesting change for Lince Dorado. I always thought he was pretty talented in WWE, as were the other two members of Lucha House Party. I mean, this will add a new, I guess, layer to his character. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, he is one of those wrestlers, I will say. It's it's, it's hard picturing, picturing him without a mask. But I guess you could say that about a lot of luchadors. Yeah, I remember when Juvito Guerrero lost his match in WCW, or his mask in WCW. I remember when uh, Rey Mysterio used to wrestle without a mask in WCW. And I don't know if this is the right way, the right option for this particular wrestler because there's such a you Ray Mysterio lost a lot of respect back then not from me but from luchador fans there is something with that mask such a tradition and a sacred thing behind it i don't know if this is a smart move on his end we'll have to wait and see but i know that ray mysterio didn't win any titles once he took that mask off he put it back on came to wwe end up becoming the world champion. So just saying, you got to get over with the fans. You know, who cares what your personal thoughts are? You need to worry about your fan base. And he's been wrestling with the mask an awful long time. <laughs> so I don't know. All right, sir, you've got the next headline. Here we go. Sirens. Edge and Beth Phoenix not looking at retirement right now. Fresh off her and Edge's win on Saturday night, Beth Phoenix appeared on Busted Open Radio 
to talk about her return to the ring. It was challenging. I try to put in the time when I can. We have a ring here in Asheville, and everybody helps me to stay a little bit in the know. But as you all know, no amount of cardio, no amount of lifting weights, no amount of training in the gym can substitute for being in the ring. So I was extremely intimidated, especially to be in there with two talents like Finn and Rhea that are firing on all cylinders, and I mean just at the top of their game, that I definitely felt out of my league, like I felt underwater and very, very nervous to get in there. Even Adam, he works pretty regularly and gets in the ring really regularly, and it's intimidating to be in there with him, even though he's my husband, but his experience level and with everything that he's done in his life and his career, I was nervous as hell. I did not want to be the weak link in that match because the other three and Dominic too. I give Dom his props. In terms of her plans for WrestleMania, Beth Phoenix said, I'll be at WrestleMania and I'm sure Adam will be factored and featured in and so I'll be there to enjoy. Whatever it is, I can say with all my heart that he and I don't look too far ahead, especially at this stage. Our kids are old enough now that they kind of process mom and dad really squeezing this for every last drop. So that's been fun to show my daughters, like, don't put limits on yourself and don't let anybody dictate what you do in your life or what your future is like. You just do what's right for you. I think it's been really fun to do this as a family. I mean, the fact of the matter is Edge and Beth Phoenix have stayed in great ring shape, even, you know, now that they're approaching the twilight of their careers. And they've been putting on good performances, and I say as long as they feel they can go at a good level, and not risk major injury, then keep bringing them back, especially if they're going to be helping to put over younger and more prominent talent. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I know that she says that they're not looking like they're not looking. They don't look forward too much. And I can, I can get that. I get that. I do. But, you know, your own husband said, <laughs> this is, and this is your man, by the way, uh, said at the post, press conference that this was their last year, his last year, he's getting ready to retire. So, I don't know. Sounds like a conflict of uh, talk there, but, you know, of course they've got to build up. They have to build up WrestleMania because I think we're going to get one more match between Finn Balor and Edge at WrestleMania. So, let's not focus on retirement, and it makes sense. Let's not talk any more about retirement when we have a major match coming up. So, on a major show, the biggest show of the year. Makes sense. Okay, so it looks like I've got the next headline. <laughs> Latest on Kenny Omega's AEW contract status admissed the WWE's interest. It's an interesting time for Kenny Omega as he is currently the AEW trio champion with the Young Bucks, but he will have to make a decision regarding his wrestling future when his AEW deal expires. WrestlingNews.com previously reported that Omega's deal has expired or is set to expire soon. The feeling uh, in WWE is that signing Omega is the top priority for them right now, even more so than signing free agent Jay White. Omega, along with the Young Bucks, signed a four-year deal with AEW when the promotion launched in 2019. In the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that Omega's AEW contract was to have expired at the end of January as he has had a four-year four year deal 
with no option clause to add time that started in February 1st, 2019. However, AEW has added time to it due to him missing action as Omega was out for nine months for several injuries last year. The maximum amount of time would lead to Omega being under contract until November of this year, but Meltzer was told that the extended time frame has not been finalized as far as how long it'll be. The feeling is that Omega and the Young Bucks have a good shot of sticking together. Agent Barry Bloom represents Omega and is expected to represent the Young Bucks as well. The Young Bucks deals are up at the end of the year. Wow. So basically what that's saying is the, <laughs> the WWE not only has the opportunity to sign Kenny Omega, but sign the elite as a whole. Okay, so here's the first thing. First thing is, if they pull this off, that's devastating for AEW. I don't care. Don't care how many superstars they have. That's devastating. No, it won't put them out of business, but it's going to hurt. You thought losing Cody Rhodes hurt? This is really going to hurt, losing these three guys. Okay? Which also makes sense why Adam Cole announced the, uh, the new show that's starting on Dynamite that we just talked about because maybe they're looking at putting Adam Cole as one of these executive VPs like one these three hold if they were to go. So makes sense of maybe coaching him up, but he's a member of that clique too. You don't see it as much now, but he's a member of the elites. But if WWE could pull that off, first thing is that's going to hurt AEW. Second thing is though, that's going to be awesome. And <laughs> seeing Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in the WWE is something I've wanted for years and years and years. The only thing that stinks about it is right now, they're on TV every week on AEW. So I get to see them every week. That was my biggest gripe about those guys because couldn't watch them. New Japan Wrestling, it's hard to get, and you got to pay a fortune to get it every week. So anyways, I think that, uh, man, Triple H, if you can make this happen, what a feather in your cap, brother. Your thoughts, sir? Well, I'll tell you, if Triple H is able to actually negotiate a deal with the elite, yeah. Uh, the man deserves a medal at that point because who would have ever thought when AEW was founded that there would even be a possibility that Kenny Omega and the and the Young Bucks could come to WWE. And yet we're talking about the possibility now potentially happening down the road. So it'd be a huge acquisition for them, for WWE, if, if they could pull it off. And I do agree, AEW, you know, they, they, they wouldn't go under. They wouldn't be out of business, but it would be a major blow. There's no question about it. And also, you mentioned Adam Cole, earlier Kentucky guy. Let's also not forget that Adam Cole has a very close relationship with Triple H as well from his time in NXT. And who's to say that down the road when Adam Cole's contract with AEW is up, that he wouldn't decide to jump ship back to WWE? There's no doubt in my mind that when his contract is up, I don't know how long his contract is. There is no doubt in my mind that once his contract's up, he's gone. I, I've said that from the beginning. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. He has a phenomenal friendship with uh, Triple H. Triple H tried everything to keep him before he went to AEW, and it just uh, it just wasn't in the cards. Triple H had too much uh, too much pushback going against him on that so 
All right. So, and folks, if you haven't listened to our last episode, our last episode was done on Tuesday. Therefore, we already gave the raw. If you're wondering why you haven't heard any raw uh, results, that's why, because we gave it on Tuesday. And shame on you for not listening. Go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I've got the next headline. Here we go. WWE disappointing update emerges on Roman Reigns post WrestleMania status. Roman Reigns is not set to appear at WWE Money in the Bank, according to the show's advertisements. Reigns is not being advertised for the show on July 1st, which is slated to take place at the O2 Center Arena in London. The update serves as the latest clue that Reigns is going to be taking a break from WWE coming out of WrestleMania 39. Reigns was at the WWE Class at the Castle, WWE's most recent pay-per-view uh, event in the UK, which took place in Wales in September of 2002 or 2022. At the show, Roman successfully defended his undisputed Universal Championship against Drew McIntyre, despite many fans feeling as if he'd lose it. Pugh, come on, to McIntyre, please. However, Reigns is likely going to miss the WWE's next event in the UK which will be the Money in the Bank pay-per-view on July 1st in London via WrestleTalk. Curiously, the current undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns is not listed as a featured star for the premium live event. Reigns is also not on the poster for the event, which features Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, and Cody Rhodes. Given that he's WWE's top star in the reigning undisputed universal champion so if it was at the show you'd have to think he'd be advertised after beating Sami Zayn at the elimination chamber over the weekend it has been confirmed that roman will be walking into wrestlemania as the undisputed universal champion royal rumble 2023 winner cody rhodes will be facing reigns at the big show in april with feeling as if the former AEW wrestler could end up dethroning the tribal chief Cody, in the eyes of many, present WWE with the biggest opportunity to take the titles off Reigns, arguably since he won the Universal Championship back in August of 2020. Man, he's had a title a long time. Should he lose the titles in April, Reigns is expected to take an extended break from the WWE, possibly not returning until the build-up to SummerSlam, which takes place in August of 2023. However, it's not even 100% certain that Reigns loses the titles, with some questioning whether or not Triple H could look to have his reign past the 1,000 days mark, which should see him, which would see him retain at WrestleMania in order to do. Okay, so yeah, uh, he's not lost anything yet. People, everybody, everybody, you know, everybody just assumes Cody's won this match. Everybody, everybody you talk to. They just assume Cody's going to walk out of this match the winner. He's going to finish the story. When in the world have you guys known, and I'm talking to the audience, when have you known or even liked wrestling that was that predictable? Come on. Yes, everybody knew Cody was going to win the Royal Rumble. And he did. He did. I don't think that's the case at WrestleMania. I really don't. And I would, I would prefer to see Cody Rhodes lose at WrestleMania, just hear me out, lose at WrestleMania, and then 
maybe pick up and uh, an upset second match victory over Roman Reigns when not everybody's expecting it. I went on another podcast, and the co-host of that podcast said, oh, without a doubt, he goes, I'm calling my shot now. He goes, Cody Rhodes is going to win it. This was before the Royal Rumble. This was I was on that podcast before the Royal Rumble. That's what I'm saying. Everybody is so set in. What a great swerve it would be if he didn't win. I think it'd be better for his legacy if he did not win at WrestleMania and came and did an upset, a comeback later. Just my thoughts. What do you think, sir? Well, Kentucky guy, it's it's an interesting theory you have there, and I will admit it would be shocked if it if it went that route. For me personally, I feel that stars are made on the grandest stage of them all, that being WrestleMania. And Cody Rhodes has been working for years and years, not just from his time in WWE, but also from his time on the independents and in AEW to get to this stage. And I, can th- I can't think of anything better than for the American Nightmare to unseat the Tribal Chief in front of the entire world at WrestleMania. I feel that would be the ultimate payoff to this storyline. But could they swerve us? There's always a possibility that could happen. And I will say that people who assume that Roman Reigns is not, is not going to be champion because he hasn't been advertised for money in the bank, we can never make that assumption because he wasn't at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view last year either. And he was still undisputed universal champion at the time. Right, I agree. And I don't agree with uh, the Cody Rhodes thing at WrestleMania, but I agree with it. He was not at Money in the Bank last year. So uh, we will see what happens. It'll be interesting. You've got the next two headlines, sir. Here we go. Let's start the first one. WWE NXT star is in limbo while waiting for main roster creative. Cameron Grimes made a name for himself on the independent wrestling scene, but took things to the next level while working in WWE NXT. In December, it was reported that Grimes was going to be called up to the main roster. He previously made his main roster in-ring debut by defeating Akira Tozawa on an October episode of WWE Main Event. Grimes had his last match in November on NXT TV when he lost to Joe Gacy. However, Grimes has yet to be called up nor has he been seen on NXT television. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that WWE is still planning to have him on the main roster. He said, quote, By the way, I've been asked this question like a million times in the last couple of weeks. I'm exaggerating the number. What's going on with Cameron Grimes? Okay, so the deal was that Cameron Grimes was finishing up in NXT because he was getting called up to the main roster. Right now, what's going on is they're waiting for an idea for the main roster, so he's in limbo. He's finished with NXT, and he's supposed to be on the main roster, but they don't have a story for him. So they're waiting to come up with a story for me. So that's him. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Grimes is a pretty talented worker. Um, So basically, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're just waiting for a good storyline for him. And, um, you know, right now, like they said, he's kind of in limo. So people just have to be patient. I mean, maybe they'll do something with him right after WrestleMania. Or possibly send him back to NXT right now. It's not like they have an overwhelming amount of of superstars on NXT. He is a very good 
he's good on the he's great on the mic. He's a good wrestler. One of the best feuds I've seen in NXT that I can possibly remember is between him and LA Knight. So yeah, I agree. You know, we've, we've got to, we've got to be patient, right? Of course. But, uh, I can understand why I, I can understand more of him wondering what the heck's going on than maybe the fans because it's been a while since I've heard his name or seen him. So it's been a while. So yeah, I can see where they're coming from on that. Absolutely. I see both sides. All right, sir, you've got the next headline. Here we go. All right. Yeah, there's a delay there. Sorry about that. WWE was very concerned about Sami Zayn chants during Rossig. Because of the moment that Sami Zayn has right now with fans, there had been some people pushing for Zayn to headline WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. But WWE officials felt he isn't a main eventer yet, so they've kept with their original plans. Those plans are to headline WrestleMania with an undisputed WWE Universal Championship match between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. WWE had Reigns beat Zayn to retain his title at Elimination Chamber. On Monday's Raw in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, WWE had Rhodes come out for a segment, but he was quickly interrupted by Paul Heyman. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that WWE was concerned with the Zayn chants during Rhodes' promo, so they kept it short by having Heyman come out. They didn't kill the story by having him lose. When Cody was out there, the stuff with Cody and Heyman they were very concerned about Sammy Chance, which is one of the reasons why they got Heyman out there in seconds. They did not want Cody in there by himself because they thought that, I mean, it didn't happen, but boy, they did everything in their power to make sure they kept that moving. They did not allow the audience a chance to start chanting or anything like that. It was just a back and forth. So, bottom line is, the fans still want to see Sami Zayn involved in this main event feud. And... Considering what went down at the Elimination Chamber, I can understand why they're still rallying behind Sami Zayn. You know, it, it, it's really it's a really tough call here because the fans have definitely been um, have definitely been behind Cody. There's no question about it. But yet, there's still um, you know there's still a big question as to what's um, as to what's going on. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say what way to go here. Do you do you, do you do you put Sammy into the main event in some capacity, or what do you do? It doesn't. A lot of fans feel. And by the way, uh, I didn't go over this with you, but I actually got a couple of emails from our last episode. A lot of fans feel the same way I do. They just it's hard to comprehend that it's over, and I just don't think that story ended correctly. And I, I it just. I don't know. And maybe we'll see more tonight on SmackDown. I don't know. But it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it ended the right way. I, and I know they don't think Sami Zayn is a top guy. I get it. I get it. But they don't know, man. I just, uh, and I'm glad that I'm not the only one. So, okay. So let's see. I've got the next headline. Here we go. WWE to change WrestleMania 39 title match that was previously locked in. Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch could be about to share the ring at WrestleMania 39 after all. Lynch and Lita are set to challenge for the WWE 
Women's Tag Team Championship on Raw next week. And should they win, the match and the title rumors have indicated that a showdown with Rousley and Shayna Baszler could be on the horizon. What will Becky Lynch do at WrestleMania 39? Becky and Lita, as noted, are set to challenge Io Sky and Dakota Kai for the Women's Championship on February 27th, episode of Raw. Many fans expect Sky and Kai, <laughs> I like that, to retain, given that Wrestling Observer reported last month that Dakota and Io versus Shayna and Rousley had been locked in for WrestleMania 39. However, in today's Wrestling Observer newsletter, Dave Meltzer indicated WWE could put the titles onto Becky Lynch and what? And Lita creating a bigger match at the show in IA in April via WrestleTalk. Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey will challenge for the women's tag team titles. It was originally against EO Sky and Dakota Kai, the champions, but Lita and Becky Lynch will face them. And WrestleMania is about a marquee matches. And Lita and Lynch as a team against Baszler and Rousey is a bigger match. It's worth noting that Meltzer isn't reporting that Rousey versus Baylor versus Lynch and Lita is planned for WrestleMania, just that it's something WWE could could do make, to make the show even bigger. But why isn't it, and then this question was asked, why isn't Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 39 happening? Well, WWE originally booked a Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 35 in 2019, but decided to add Charlotte Flair to the mix. The three-way marked the first time that women had main-evented WrestleMania, but many fans were left disappointed that Lynch and Rousey didn't have a straight singles match. When she returned to WWE last year, it was reported that Rousey versus Lynch wasn't planned for WrestleMania 38, but would be one of the marquee matches at WrestleMania 39 the following year, which next month is WrestleMania 39 in April. Uh, However, with Vince McMahon stepping down as head of creative and Triple H taking the reins, the plans have changed, and Rousey and Lynch won't have a singles match at the show. Despite that, with Lynch now entering the tag team title scene, the door has been open for the duo to share the ring in this year's event, albeit as a part of a tag team title match. Well, here's my thoughts on that. Here, here, here's my true thoughts on, on this whole report right here. Do not take the titles off damage control and put them on the man and a has-been. Don't do it, Triple H. You're smarter than this. My Lord. Your thoughts, sir? I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you, Kentucky guy. Um, I don't have a problem with Becky Lynch. I, I said this before. I'm from, I don't have a problem with Becky Lynch and Lita challenging damage control for the titles um, because they're two legitimate champions, and if damage control beats them, then it, 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 it gives their star power a boost. But I do agree that having damage control lose the titles at this point in time would be a mistake. You want them to keep some sort of momentum going. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be in favor, in favor of Becky Lynch and Lita winning the titles. Um, Ronda Rousey and uh, Shayna Baszler are definitely being built up right now as possible contenders. So I don't know if the idea is they want this to be a triple threat match for the women's tag team titles or what. But um, yeah, having Becky having Becky and Lita win would would not be the right way to go. Yep, 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 yep. 
All right, sir. So you have uh, you have one more headline, I believe. So we'll go ahead and let you finish that one. Former AEW star teases return to the company. Stu Grayson has fans speculating that he could be making a return to all elite wrestling. AEW booked a singles match between Evil Uno and John Moxley on Wednesday's episode of Dynamite. The finish saw Moxley put Uno in a bulldog choke, but Evil refused to give up as he bled heavily, and Moxley transitioned into it into a rear naked choke before the referee called for the bell. Post match, Moxley wouldn't let go of the choke, so the rest of the Dark Order and Blackpool Combat Club ran down to start a brawl. Stu Grayson, who was once a part of the Dark Order, took to Twitter after the show to send a message to Moxley, seemingly indicating that he could make a return to the company to confront Moxley for his actions. He wrote on Twitter, Mox not letting go of the choke is a terrible move. You'll pay for that. Grayson and Evil Uno had competed as the Super Smash Brothers and won titles in Pro Wrestling Gorilla and Chikara before joining AEW. In 2019, Double or Nothing marked the promotional debut of Grayson and Uno. His final AEW bout was on April 20th, 2022 episode of Dark Elevation, while his final appearance on television was on March 30th, 2022 on Rampage. Last May, Grayson's deal with AEW expired, and the two sides couldn't come to an agreement on a new deal, leading to Grayson leaving the promotion on good terms. Well, I guess it would make sense to pair Evil Uno back up with Stu Grayson, because these two were a longtime tag team on the independent scene before the Dark Order was even a thing in AEW. So he, so it would be a welcome return to, uh, to television. You'd have another legit tag team. We, we were talking about that earlier, um, Kentucky guy, how AEW's tag team division needs, needs a boost right now. So, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be perfectly fine with Stu Grayson coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think he's a good wrestler, and I don't blame him if, he, if he's already left Impact because they have done nothing for him since he's been on there. I watched his debut match on Impact, and they had the poor guy lose fair and square. And I was like, whoa, you know, he's not, he's not going to make any waves here. <laughs> All right, so I have just a couple uh, small headlines to go over real quick, and then we will call it a day. Uh, the first one, big match, a big match announced to determine Gunther's WWE WrestleMania opponent. The WWE returns to Madison Square Garden on Sunday, March 12th, and, and at least one match on the card will have WrestleMania implications. As tweeted out by the official MSG account, a 20-man battle royal will be held, and the winner of that match will challenge Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. Here are the list of names involved in the match. <laughs> Drew McIntyre. Yeah, right. Sheamus. The New Day. Doesn't say who, just says The New Day. Rey Mysterio. Bobby Lashley. Finn Balor, The Miz, Damian, okay, so Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, <laughs> Rey Mysterio, we know these guys already have matches for WrestleMania, come on, The Miz, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, we, oh, we know there's, okay, Johnny Gargano, Omos, who just challenged Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania, what is this, Dexter Loomis, Bronson Reed, Rick Boggs, Santos Escobar, Braun Strowman, and Ricochet, Baron Corbin, 
Oh, God. Baron Corbin. And Karrion Cross. Okay, so I'm all about Gunther being at WrestleMania and defending his title. It's just, why are you putting people in this match that we already know have a match or going to have a match at WrestleMania against somebody else? What the crap? Uh, are they going to have two matches at WrestleMania? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And then uh, the second one, I'll go over real quick, sir, and I'll get your opinion on both of these. Uh, this one's pretty important, so I'm, I wanted to make sure I got it in on this episode. Arn Anderson provides a health update on Barry Windham. Gives high praises to Powerhouse Hall. Arn Anderson did another Ask Arn Anderson episode of his Arn podcast th- uh, this week. Is there any updates on Wind- Barry Windham's condition? No, Barry Windham suffered a heart attack in, in uh, late December. Quote, getting it third party, he is making his way back slowly. He's hopefully going to be much better as time goes by. It was a really, really, really bad scare. I know that the, I know that scared the shit out of all of us as soon as we heard it. It was very, very close call, and I think he's getting a little bit better along the way. I don't think he's in a position where he can travel or anything like that yet, so a lot of our thought has gone into Barry Wyndham and his condition. You know, a lot of prayers, and we appreciate that coming from everybody. I know the family does, and hopefully Barry will be up and around before we know it. Also asked on who he sees as someone who could be at the top of the cards in AEW. Quote, I think if giving a little bit more time and a little more experience, Will Hobbs, powerhouse Hobbs, has all the athletic potential. He is a quality human being, a beast. He can turn it up. He's explosive. He just needs to be in the bunch of matches with guys that have more experience than him, and he will pick it up just like that. I have a lot of time. I have a lot of time of, I have a lot of time for powerhouse. Weird. And then, uh, he also says on why, why he thinks no change was made to the character that Cody Rhodes was in, AEW, when he came to the WWE. Well, well, it might be who's in charge. What other reason could it be? Because it's the same story, just a different name that you put with it. He came in red hot. It's common sense to you and I, or anybody else, ask 50 people out there what would have been the wise decision, bringing him in and calling him something else or starting him over with a brand new name. How many times have you seen that? They got it right, and it's going to pay them dividends. By the way, it already has. So I don't really have any thoughts on Powerhouse Hobbs. I I, I think Arn Anderson's wrong on, on this. I think he just likes the kid. I don't think he's that great. Uh, Barry Wendell, man, you're, you're in our thoughts and prayers. I, 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 uh, to be honest with you, I heard about the heart attack, but I didn't know it was this serious. So, yeah. But anyway, sir, uh, that's my last two headlines. Your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I mean, obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to Barry Wyndham. You know, definitely a legend in the business. We hope he makes a full recovery. Is there no, uh, you know, we, we use the phrase serious as a heart attack, and here we actually mean it literally. Um, so we wish him well. Um, you know, powerhouse Hobbs, I mean, other than having a good look, I mean, I haven't seen anything about him that really leads me to believe he's going to set the world on fire. I'm not saying he can't over time. I mean, like I said, he's not bad in the ring, but there's just nothing yet about him that to me has really stood out. 
you know, he's just another, you know, an up powerhouse for lack of a better word. And then, I mean, as far as the Intercontinental Championship, I mean, I want Gunther to have a prominent role at WrestleMania. And I mean, this, this matchup that you described, I don't know, just doesn't excite me that much. You know, um, maybe they'll, maybe they'll shock us. Maybe we'll, we'll get something to remember, but uh, this just doesn't excite me right now. There's only one name in that whole group that excites me if they, if they would let him win, and maybe they learn from their mistake from that four-way, and that's Karrion Cross. That's the only name. Agreed, agreed, 100%. All right, sir, so that's all I have for this episode. You have anything for us? That is all for me, Kentucky. All guys. right, folks, so you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your host, the Kentucky Guy and Donnie Cage. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, God bless and God bless this country.